Yeah. Are we recording? We're live? All right. We're back. Um, another episode where the Leafs are not playing, unfortunately. Just as a reminder, Leafs podcast, talking about some other things that are going on in the world. If you've been on Twitter, you know why. You see it every single day. Oh, look, Mitch Marner's on vacation. He's in a pool. He should be going door to door and apologizing to people. Like, shut up. I've had enough of it. Don't want to talk about that right now. But to start, again, joined with by Josh and Jason. Yo. How's it going? We're going to start this episode. Talk about a smidget of the Leafs. Mm-hmm. Not this, not oh, what to do next year with the power play because... It's too early. First off, we're going to start. We're going to get into the other playoff series and everything. A little Dougie Hamilton talk at the end, a little rat race. We're going to say farewell to 52. Been Marty. with the Leafs organization for six seasons. I believe traded at the draft from Edmonton to the Leafs 2015 draft, I want to say. And in his time... Six seasons, 142 NHL games, nine playoff games, 79 AHL games, 20 AHL playoff games, and a Calder Cup. Our sweet prince, Martin Mertens, and we say goodbye as he signs in the Czech Republic. Probably the least like liked player I can remember. I don't think anybody was a fan of that guy. I was. I like to make memes of him. That was about it, though. One, one guy we know was a, fan of, was a fan of him, and that was Kyle Dubas. Yes, he was. Kyle Dubas was a big fan of him. Do you remember the reason? Yes. I Can I hijack the story? Yeah. This yeah. isn't my story, obviously. This is from uh, at Jack Han on Twitter. I believe it's J Han Hockey on Twitter, whatever his Twitter is. Uh, um, but he... Uh, he used to work for the Leafs, and he said uh, he told a story once about how Kyle Dubas, um, why he likes Martin Marinson so much. So he was at the Edmonton Oilers camp um, while he was still with Sault Ste. Marie. He was watching um, Darnell Nurse because he wanted to see if he was going to make the team or not. And there was a specific player on the ice who caught his eye and who ended up making the team over Darnell Nurse. And that player was Martin Marinson. Marty Marinson. It was a win-win for Kyle Dubas. He got uh, Darnell Nurse back, and yeah, and he got to see then Martin. he got then he got <laughs> his prize jewel in uh, Martin <laughs> Marinson. We also got the Vegas Montreal game going on right now. It's in the late second period. Vegas up three-one. So we're gonna be talking about that a little later. Kind of get as much game in as possible, and then, but uh, you know, just like luck based, we're probably gonna like. Start saying like, yeah, Vegas looks awesome. Then Montreal's gonna score, bang, bang, bang. Once we stop recording, so keep an eye out for that. But additionally, what else happened this week in Leafsville? CN Tower getting lit up with uh, Canadiens colors, and then the Canadiens flag going up uh, Parliament Hill on a bed or God knows what. Yeah, that was weird. That just made uh, we. It, it's in Toronto. You don't have to stop. Like. We're showing support for our Canadian team that's in the final. Well, guess what? A Canadian team had to make the finals. It's this is that's a participation-based congratulations. Yeah. Like, come on. That must have been done by somebody who's obviously not like a hockey fan. I would assume. Or I don't, the, yeah. Like, you would know that nobody in this city cares about how well Montreal does. Yeah. A lot of people would prefer that they did very poorly. Actually, I would rather they put Vegas colors. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> So it's just weird. It's like a it's it's a very Canadian thing, honestly. Oh yeah, congrats to our fellow Canadians. But like 
think about it like this for anyone who follows like some real rivalries. Imagine like Michigan rooting on Ohio State in the college football playoff because they're from the same conference. Like, imagine that. It wouldn't. Imagine the Yankees being like, good luck to the Boston Red Sox in the World Series. No, that's not going to happen. Like, it, and that's when you think about it like that, it becomes even crazier. Also, sorry to hijack the story as well, but so that happened, right? They lit the CN Towers tail. It was a talk all week on on the radio. Yeah. I heard Cole Yakovo, Landsberg, Overdrive guys talking about it. I was in Niagara Falls this weekend. It's supposed to be a nice little getaway. I look over the falls at night. You know what color the falls were on the weekend? Oh, Red, white, and blue, and it wasn't for the United States of America. Lit up for the Montreal Canadiens. Just can't escape it, honestly. Cannot escape it. Can you imagine? Rodian Amarov made his, I think, would have been maybe his first trip or whatever to Niagara Falls. I saw an Insta. I'm like, could you imagine, like, yeah, like, why are the falls this color? It's like, yeah, for the Canadian. Like, <laughs> uh, if I were him, I would have been disgusted as well. Seems like such a minuscule thing, but mm-hmm. the, it, it, it ir- irked me. Yeah, it's also just whoever did it doesn't understand clearly yeah. how this works. And the second I saw it, I ran to Twitter, and I saw the last time Maple Leafs was tweeted by that CN Tower account, and I endured so much pain because of it. The last time that was tweeted was Game 7 in 2013. Really? Yes, that was the last time the blue and white were there. The CN Tower was blue and white for the Leafs. So that was a lot of pain. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. Great. Moving on. Yeah. Any other thoughts on the lease before we close out this topic? No, I'd rather just wait till the end of the season. And then there's going to be lots to talk Sounds about. Sounds good. There. I agree. I agree. So as everyone that's been listening may know, we like to hold the media accountable. You know, everyone likes to focus on the players. Oh, the player said this. The player did that. Said this in the press conference, whatever. No, no, no. The media should also be held accountable. And this week on Twitter and Beyond, we had a gem. A Hall of Fame. A Hall of Fame. And what was interesting that I thought was because all of the questions in that press conference, all the questions in that press conference were awful. Like the next one after that, after this one was also bad, but it just wasn't, it couldn't reach the stratosphere of how bad Adrian Dater from some who cares blog. He asked the worst question to Nathan McKinnon after their game six loss. I'm going to play it right now. Play it. Uh, Dave, you know, I know you're a gamer and, uh, and all this. And, uh, you know, I'm just thinking maybe out loud as far as in your shoes right now, it's like, all right, we've done all the things we can do. We've done all the game planning we can do. Maybe, maybe, you know, just fuck it. We'll just go in next year and just not think it anymore and just win this thing. Well, we don't take so much. Is that? Am I on the right path at all with this? Like, maybe these guys think a little too much. Nah, bro. I think they're a little. Oh. Nice. Last one here for Nathan. <laughs> Mark Spector, Sportsnet. Yeah, that I don't. I don't even know what he's trying to say. Honestly, he tried to defend it too. Yeah, was, like, I was just trying to talk to the hockey players. What? What? He also didn't even make a coherent sentence throughout all of like what was he even saying? Was he? I think he what he's essentially trying to say is why didn't you try harder? Like wh- what are you saying? Did I you think, think about it too much? Maybe I think he like, was trying to like fire up Nathan McKinnon and be like, yeah, next year we're just gonna go in, and not think about it. We're gonna go and just try to rally him. Like the season's over, bro. Like it's it's done. 
Like, where did this idea come from? You're, Nathan McKinnon's not friends with you. He doesn't like you. He definitely doesn't You're like You're a him. blog boy. Like, just keep the relationship to that. I think the next question was also something stupid, like, did you work hard or leave it all out on the table? Like, what do you think he's going to say? Like, I don't know. That was rough. That, <laughs> that was a rough one. That was a rough one. And then <laughs> when you double down on Twitter about the question, that's when it's worse, when you just keep digging your own grave. Just take it and go. <laughs> just take, just, you messed up. It's tough. I, I can't imagine how hard it is being on the spot like that in front of everyone. I know it's Well, that's tough. not even on the spot. He gets like, <laughs> the, I know, like I know. an hour to figure I know, out his but question. I'm just I, like, whatever. He, he's an idiot. Like, that's all and we he can say. He's, yeah. he that's what I don't get. Like the swaying was a little over the top. Just like, I don't know. And especially when you try to defend yourself on Twitter and he was like, oh, like, he was saying to one person, he's like, you're right, you're the best beat writer. And then everyone started digging up his past. It's like, well, you're not a beat writer because you got fired for... He did get fired. Some inappropriate things, sir. Yes. So, Adrian Dater, thank you for the content, you moron. <laughs> um, transitioning now. Nice little transition. Mm. I want to get into the ending of Vegas, Colorado. Even though we've started the other series already, let's get into the ending of Vegas, Colorado. When we last talked, it was 2-2. And Josh and I thought Vegas was going to win, or Colorado was going to win. Jason called Vegas. And you know what? We were wrong. But I am proud to say I've bet Vegas in game five and six. So nice little win for me. I bet I Vegas, it. or I've bet Colorado game six. It was a bad, like, I switched it because I saw Vegas' first two, or Colorado's first two shifts. And then all of a sudden, Colorado turned it back on, was up to nothing. I was like, I'm an idiot because. You know, it is what it is. But then, nice little two in a row. I'm I'm three for my last three. Oh, that was a huge save by Flurry, uh, by Price. And I'm three for my last three bets, and I have Vegas puck line in this game. So fingers crossed. Oh boy, fingers crossed. But uh, to get into Vegas, Colorado, a little bit. What, what, uh, do you guys have any thoughts on what happened there? Uh, on both sides, what did, what did what happened with Colorado? What happened in Vegas? What Going I, on. I, I think deal. with Vegas, it was three years of uh, unfortunate puck luck in the playoffs just came together for them in one game. Uh, they got some good bounces. They scored, and they were able to finish. They historically have not been able to finish in the in the playoffs. They've been able to get a lot of chances and just not, not convert on them. You see it all the time. Every game, it seems like they outshoot their opponent by 20, 20 shots. They have at least 40 shots every game. And it finally came together for them against maybe the the heart, the best team in the NHL or yeah the favorite for the, the for the Stanley Cup coming about, coming yeah. in yeah about a week ago everyone was when Colorado was up two nothing everyone was talking about oh the Colorado build look how they've done it on cheaper contracts and a week later now they're kind of like uh oh Colorado's got to resign size. all these yeah need, need more size, size. they got to resign yeah. all these players so for me that series I don't know what happened but. It flipped on a dime, really. Well, and it's another series where it goes, wouldn't it be nice if we just had another really good center? Like, oh, yeah. Mm. He was in the press box. <laughs> it's it's hard to, you know, say that they would have won with Nazem Kadri, but this is now the third series in four years where a team has lost a six or seven game series and Nazem Kadri has not played because he's been suspended for said series. Again, not saying he's the reason they lost, but now this, this is the third time that's happened. Can now. I play something quick? Absolutely. Yep. Dude, you were playing so, nice, uh, yep. Yeah, I was playing nice, so it was, uh, you know, it was a bit, of sh a bit of a shitty thing for me to go through, but 
you know, I, I, you, you can't think I was going to do that again for a third time, could you? <laughs> I mean, Oh boy! He for said that in yeah. March. For context, that's Kad- <laughs> yep, that's Nazem Kadri saying you can't think I was going to do that for a third time. And guess what? He did, unfortunately. And I think he would have definitely made a difference. Like I said in the last podcast, 100%. just a little bit of a spark plug. But really, Vegas turned the turned the series around really quickly. It mm-hmm. felt like it felt like Colorado, even though Game Two Vegas outplayed them. You know, they were going. They felt good up 2-0, even going back, um, back to Vegas. But mm-hmm. I mean, it. Like those two home games for Vegas, game three and game four, even though game three wasn't close score wise, they they really turned the series around. They didn't look back. A big factor really was, again, the forecheck of Vegas against the defenseman for Colorado. So the guy who is getting a lot of hate is Samuel Girard. So he, you know, he's in terms of five on five minutes other than. McCarr and Taves, he plays the third most minutes, and he plays the tougher minutes than those guys. And he had a tough time. I said it last time. He's a little bit of a smaller guy, and he got beat up a little bit. But I think even worse than him was his partner, Ryan Graves, really, really struggled. The misconception is that when the game gets more physical, you know, the the big guys went out, right? And the small guys, you know, they shy away from contact. That's possible. It, It happens. But the real difference maker in this series was the relentlessness of Vegas's forecheck really made Colorado's defensemen almost have to think a half second quicker. And a guy like Ryan Graves, who's already not a great puck mover, when he has to think a little bit quicker than he normally does and that internal clock is is going quicker and now, okay, I got to get this puck off my stick really quickly. A lot of turnovers, and we saw it. Who is, who is the toughest guy in Colorado? It's mm, a great question. Ryan Graves. Yeah. And who had the toughest time in this series? Ryan Graves. Ryan Graves. He did. So I mean, McCarr's a smaller guy. He didn't have a tough time. He played great. He was awesome. But yeah, so you that's really the difference. We we also kind of saw it coming last podcast. We were saying normally we're used to Colorado bang, bang out of the zone really quick. They were really struggling to do that. And they're really getting hemmed in their own zone. And it just continued really for the, the last two games of that series. And unfortunately, they weren't able to turn it around. I, it's tough because this was kind of a mini window for Colorado. I don't know if how many people noticed it. They have a lot of guys they need to sign. Not only UFAs, they have RFAs to sign. They have to sign Kale McCarr. Like they Philip Grubauer. They are Gary in Landis a bit of a trouble. And not only Brandon that, they, saw it too. they also have guys who are expiring. I know it's not like whatever. It's uh not this season, but also next season. They've got they have a lot of contracts coming up over the next two years. So if you're gonna commit to the guys for this year, you're gonna miss out on the guys next year. So yeah. I Sorry, thought it was off. I thought it was interesting in this series. We did call it. It was uh I think it was game six what happened? How did the goals go in? Avs off the rush, Knights off the cycle. Yep, yeah. exactly. I mean, Makar was f- absolutely fantastic. He made some he's, crazy he's, plays in the offensive zone. He, his transition game is incredible. How much would you pay him? How much do you think That's he should get? This, this is like, a, is no he idea. like getting? So my thought and what I'm thinking on the contracts and everything, going back a few years and to obviously make it about the Leafs because that's what we do here. All agents a couple of years ago when Marner was an RFA and when Matthews was before, just before when he was an RFA, he was supposed to be, but the Leafs got the deal done earlier before that. All agents, what do they want? Bridge deals. Wait for that TV contract to kick in. And what did most RFAs get? Matthew Kachuk got a bridge deal. Charlie McAvoy got a bridge deal. Zach Wierenski got a bridge deal. Did PLD get a bridge? Who cares? Yeah, he stinks. He's there. <laughs> um, 
But a, all, a lot of those big guys, Ranton and Din, that was like the one guy who didn't. Braden Point got a bridge deal. And then Barzell recently, even Barzell deal. got yeah. a bridge deal. Look at all those guys. They held out longer than Mitch Marner. And what did they get? They got a lower AAV, but what did they get? And what did they want? A bridge deal. Right now, the cap is staying flat, they're saying, for the next two seasons. It could be, I mean, depending on revenues, I think next season it's flat. The season after that, we'll see maybe a little bit it goes up, right? I'm going to see Kale McCarr, a nice two-year bridge deal. And then after that, it's payday. The next two years, he's going to take a little bit off on that AAV, I think. I don't think it's going to be as high as what it should be. I'm thinking his value is like eight, eight and a half, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Maybe even higher. He's not going for that right now. Team needs to get some other, you, and Landis Cog needs to get done, Grubauer, as you guys were mentioning. McCarr's not going to, he's going to take a little bit off. He's going to force the team for that two-year deal, maybe three pushing it. But then after that, that's when it's really, it's mine, baby. He's so, going to back up the Brinks truck. So the other thing is he's not, he, he doesn't have to sign this year. He can sign this summer, but he's eligible mm-hmm. at the end of next season, right? Oh, so he still has one more. He has one more year DLC? on his entry level. Oh, it was a mistake on our part. I thought he had, for some reason, I thought he was up. No, he doesn't. He, he's up this year? He's up this Confirm year. it? Confirm it. Okay, he's up this year. Friendly. Okay, oh. so he's up this year. I was incorrect. Sorry. Um, like you said, he might bridge. If you're looking at comparables, though, he like his comparable, like for example. I think he'll hold out for a bridge. That's what these agents are going to do so right now. It, his comparable for a long term would be what? Thomas Shabbat. He's better than Thomas Shabbat. Yeah. And oh, Thomas Shabbat yeah. makes $8 million over eight years. Well, yeah, so. it's tough for Tommy Shabbat because he plays in Ottawa. McCart plays in, in, in Colorado. However, yes, like I think they are. I think McCarr's still better than him. Yeah, so that would be a that would be like a Tommy starting got a ton point. of money. It's also an unprecedented thing. I don't think we've ever had a player be nominated for like a defense, like a, a player be nominated for the Norris, obviously a defenseman, and have and be an RFA. I don't know if that's ever happened, especially at twenty two years old. Uh, it's there's a lot a lot like PK Subban won the Norris. What was that? He, he, he was no, he was deep in his career. Oh, okay. But like that's like at twenty two year olds two years old being nominated for a Norris, it's gonna like I think Eric Carlson might have won the Norris on his really? last year of his entry level. So I I wonder if that but translates he's, he's to a large payday, right? Like I don't know. Again, it's gonna a, depend yeah, what the he team had a wants. Decent to first rookie year, I remember he was like minus thirty in his second year, and then the year after that, that's when Eric Carlson really started to pick yeah. it up. But I think that's a little irrelevant. Sorry. But yeah, yeah I mean that was a good though. No, but yeah, yeah, they got guys to sign. That's the point yeah, we were trying to yeah. make. Like this was a window year for the Avs. Mm-hmm. They yeah. they had Makar on the entry level still. They mm-hmm. had Linus Coggett as affordable deal that he signed after his entry level. McKinnon uh, still so. affordable. Fez even Canada, now, I don't think Grubauer is getting paid very much. No, and then even no like Kadri, for example, they have him for one more year now too. Then he's gonna probably be gone. I would assume after that, considering the other guys who are more of like a high priority that they have mm-hmm. to sign. So mm-hmm. it'll be some cap juggling by Joe Sackick to uh, make all those pieces fit. But yeah. yeah, like we said, it was honestly just tip of the cap to Vegas. Really impressive. Like to be down 2-0 and turn a series on a dime like that, it's very impressive. It's a really good oh, yeah. hockey team. I thought it was funny. In game six, Gary Galley, um, after the Braden McNabb hit, and that guy can really hit. Oh, yeah. Um, I can't remember who it was on, but it was on uh, – Number 13, can't remember his name, the Russian guy. Anyways, McNabb staples him. 
And Gary Galley goes, oh, when you go to the bench after that one, you have to check if all your equipment fits. It doesn't feel like it fits right. He's like, your helmet doesn't fit right. Your state, your gloves don't fit right. And then he goes, and even your jock doesn't fit right mm. after that. I like that. Actually. Gary, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? I thought that one was brilliant. That's good. Um, but in terms of this series, what I thought was interesting, I was listening to PDO cast and they really, really dug into it. And he had... Uh, Dmitry Filipovich had the Knights beat writer on it, and he was talking about the line matchups and really how Mark Stone made it so difficult for Nathan McKinnon out there. Mark Stone in the neutral zone, his ability to take away the puck is fantastic. And I feel like he was. they were saying that uh, Jared Bednar in the first two games was like, ah, we got such a deep team, it doesn't really matter about those matchups. But then later in the series, you really saw he was trying to hammer uh, the matchups there and trying to get McKinnon away from, I believe he was trying to get McKinnon away from Mark Stone because they were just doing such a fantastic job there. And that I find that line really unique simply because how many lines in the NHL is it where the center is the least effective player great point. on the ice? That's rare. Like Chandler Stevenson's a great skater. He's a good player, don't get me wrong. And like got a lot of breakaways this year. But how many players, like think about the Matthews line. Like, it's Hyman that's the complimentary piece. He's the go-getter. He's the winger. And so many lines, it's the winger. And it's just fascinating because of the way that Mark Stone plays and as well as they have Max Pacioretty on there as well, that they're able to just kind of plug in a guy that they got for a fifth-round pick two years ago <laughs> that had Crazy. 11 points with the, in Washington. And it's also the, it's a good situation for them because they didn't have to mess up that second line, which we've talked about a lot too, which is Smith. Fantastic. Carlson Marshall, because we know those guys have had chemistry off the bat from the first expansion game of the Vegas Golden Knights. That's been, you know, the line that they've been able to rely on. Oh, and yeah. having a guy like Mark Stone who can play at such a high level where they don't even have to worry about elevating their best center to play on that line. They can keep him on the second line, have a guy again who they traded a fifth round pick for on their first line, and they did not skip a beam. We said maybe the weakness for Vegas is down the middle. Maybe. Chandler Stevenson is the weakness. It hasn't really been a weakness so far. And it's not like they haven't played teams with good centermen. Like, really. So, again, hat tip to Mark Stone. He's just oh. such an effect. And that overtime goal he scored, too, what that a was shot. Crazy. Oh, yeah. And he almost scored yeah. right before the overtime. Yeah. That that overtime, I felt like was, it epitomized how much of a hockey is a game of just millimeters because JT Comfort right before that off the faceoff, or before the faceoff, got a fantastic look there and Flurry made a good save no rebound and then what happens afterwards Ryan uh, was it Ryan Graves finds shin pads goes yep. the other way Mark Stone schnip. but um, in addition to that as as you were saying to, to pump the tires of the, the sa that second line a little bit more uh, they do a fantastic job of creating turnovers in the offensive zone that's gonna be something to watch out with uh, Montreal if uh, we, we can use that as the uh, segue there if you guys got any more points on vegas it was honestly it was a great series it was fantastic oh and uh it's a shame one of those two teams had to lose obviously considering that vegas now playing you know the habs which the nhl's no. got to punt series like that more like that yeah. series was so speed skill yeah they had that little bit of tenacity oh to yeah it too very good goaltending in there but just like it was on, i was on the edge of my seat just because of how fast everything was moving out there it was like Damn, it wasn't the series where it was everyone punching their heads in. Like, I thought it was better than the Battle of Florida. Dare I say? Yeah, it, it was. It was. It was. A, it was great. Every game was must see. The only thing is, and I'm surprised this isn't more of a story. 
Nate McKinnon, no goals the last five games. Like that's one of those things. If you're in Toronto, that's like we talked about it for like a week about how bad our stars were. He, you know, he's been great in the playoffs and he's a great player, but they needed him to step up and he didn't. Same as the Leafs forwards, honestly. They yeah. none of those guys get a pass at the end of the day. Doesn't mean you got to trade Nate McKinnon now. I wouldn't do that personally. Again, I'm sure someone in Colorado is probably saying that though. Oh, he's only been out of the second round once in his whole career or whatever. I, I mean, I wouldn't trade him personally. What do I know? But it's tough when these guys don't step up, especially when a guy like Kadri's out. It, it was just too much to overcome, unfortunately, for Colorado. I think they'll be back, though. Again, it'll be interesting to see what they do this summer. But it's a great series overall. It's going to be a lot of interesting moves around there. Jason, you have any closing thoughts on? It was just series? fun to watch, honestly. It sucks that it's over. The, the, both those teams, they... they uh, just they went at each other very well. They both did different things very well, um, and it was just so fun to watch because they were almost top down their entire roster. is very very high level, very skilled team, both yeah. of them, and both do it in different ways. It's kind of like both sides of hockey that you kind of see, like oh yeah, mixed together into one. It was beautiful, but only one could win. Vegas That's won, and now they are playing the Montreal Canadiens. We can segue. Beautiful segue. Beautiful segue on that one. Thank you, thank you. I compliment you there. So Montreal-Vegas, before we get into the details of this game, just the overall thoughts that you had, things to look out for in this series. Did you have any for that? I think, again, it often comes down to this, but can Carey Price keep his insane streak of hockey going? Because if he can't, they have zero chance. Not point one. They have zero chance. If he doesn't play as he's been playing, they're not going to win this series. So He's made some great saves. And again, and again, it's going to be a different type of hockey, though. We, we talked about this a lot. The Leafs and the Jets are more of a rush team, right? They like getting chances off the rush. Vegas is going to be different. Vegas isn't going to be as many, in terms of percentage-wise, quality chances as we talked about, but their quantity is going to be high, 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 and they're going to get a lot of pucks on net. So we'll see how Price reacts to that different type of style. So on that note, my thing to watch was the volume of shots from Vegas. What happened last year with Vegas was they lost to a team that kind of lulled them to take shots from the outside, high volume from the outside. They cleared out the front of the net, so there's no second chances there. And and Anton Hudobin played very, very well. Same thing the series before that with Thatcher Demko, right? So my thought was maybe Vegas holds on to the puck for a little bit more. No more pucks on net, pucks in, maybe pucks in deep, sure, but no, no more of this pucks on net kind of nonsense. I think I w- we were going to see, and I believe the shots are pretty even tonight, and especially against a team like Montreal. I was, I was looking out for, are they going to, going to hold the puck a little bit more and wait for those opportunities maybe? And I mean, it's 21-17 against Montreal. I mean, that's fairly close. It's not the 50 point 50 shot pace that they're usually flipping on. But my one thing was, yeah, the shot volume where they're shooting from. Um, and I mean, it's three, one right now. They've had Carey price made some fantastic saves cross create cross ice. One timers getting good wood on them too. Like I can't credit. Those aren't fake. Good chances. Those are very, very good chances. Um, Additionally, my things to watch out for Montreal's first five to 10 minutes. I thought they did all right. Big chance by Gallagher there because that atmosphere is alive. Oh, (laughs) yeah. That might be one of the 
toughest barns to play in. The the Ve- right now it's, it's so toughest. new. It, it, it's right now crazy. it's a tough going to Vegas. Just in general, I assume it's tough for a player, and then having to play in that crowd. They are, they seem so loud. They seem so hyped to have a team. Mm-hmm. It's it's awesome to see. I just can't wait. Oh yeah, and to go on. Um, my other thing to look out for Vegas's ability to limit opportunities in front. The garbage sort of goals, and I mean, the goal they scored wasn't quite garbage. It was good, just a good bounce for them kind of thing. But we did see Marc Andre Fleury had to make a couple great stops in front of the net there. That was my kind of Montreal capitalizes on that garbage there. The Corey Perrys, the guys in front there. I mean, Cole Caulfield scored. He's a great finisher too. So my, I was watching out for that as well. And then last, uh, Vegas' ability to s- sustain pressure. I mean, Montreal's got big D. They're going to clear that front of the net there. But how well is Montreal going to be able to, when Vegas puts it in the corner, you got Alex Tuck on you. You got William Carlson on you, Riley Smith, Jonathan Marcher. So how well are they going to be able to get the puck and out? And I mean, I think they've had a little bit of trouble today. Mark, yep. Alex Tuck is your guy. He's good, man. Throwing the body He's around. Good. And I mean... That second line is doing what they do best, but I'm talking feels like 20 minutes. No, you now. made a ton of really <laughs> good, good points point, there. So yeah. I have a question to pose to you guys. If Montreal is to win this series, like how does it go down? What what is because I'm struggling to find a path for Montreal to win. Uh, it might sound cliche, and I feel like it is kind of cliche to say, but I, I feel like Montreal has to like in order for them to win a game, they have to be the first to score and just hope that Carey Price can keep them in it. That's their only way to win. Is that the, you call that the Islander strategy? Yeah, yeah. just just Rep, it's a copycat league. Do the same thing that Dallas <laughs> did last year. Just hope hope that uh, you hope. can get get a, a goal, up, couple goals early, yeah, and just clean play up the garbage defensive. and keep it to the mm-hmm, outside. Exactly. I mean, uh, Carey Price is is on his game again tonight. Yeah. I gotta say, yeah. if you uh, like, if he continues to play like that, and you're limiting sort of the inside chances, the rebound chances like that, I think. You've got sort of a shot, yeah, right. And, and and from a goalie standpoint, you I think you sent you sent us a Twitter thread. I think it was like maybe even two weeks ago now about um, how goalies can gain confidence throughout the game. And if if you kind of let let them, if you give them like some, because Ve- Vegas tends to take a lot of shots from out, or like we talk about outside the zone, and like they're, those are kind of like confidence builders for Carey Price. So if Carey Price can get those early, and Vegas isn't able to score early, I think they're gonna. Not struggle, but it'll give Carey Price confidence, and that will be Montreal's path. To so, victory. so Carey Price is the path. To of course, yeah, there okay. is no other way. It's a big part of it. Yes, the I just threat don't, was I, about. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but the thread was about Leafs not capitalizing on good opportunities where Carey Price was maybe a little bit out of position. Mm-hmm. But I do know what you're talking about, and think more al- along the lines of Yaroslav Halak on Montreal against Washington. That sort of series, mm-hmm. high high volume. You get into that groove a little bit. I mean. When a good goalie gets running like that, it's uh, it's gonna be tough to beat. Absolutely, that. So that's what I was just gonna ask. What? Because I don't really. When I look at these two teams together, I think even the way Montreal wants to play, if they want to play a cycle game, Vegas can outcycle them. Really, they can. Oh yeah. Like, and the only real advantage I could see is you know Price out out playing Flurry, but Flurry's been pretty good. He really has. Like, oh, yeah. He's done what he's needed to do. So I, I just don't see it. I don't know if we're doing the prediction game. I think Vegas – the other thing is we're not talking about is that we, – we talked about it a little bit, actually. Vegas' home barn versus Montreal. Like, that's a massive advantage. Montreal's trying to get more fans. I know, but even – it's it's not going to come close to the atmosphere they have in Vegas right now. It's crazy there. 
I I think if they get packed, 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 they, they won't, could. Though. But they, they won't. That's that. the issue. Max, it's going to be like 5,000. Max 5,000. Yeah. Like, so. I mean, there's been riots outside mm. of the Bell Center. <laughs> Somehow you can get that inside, then maybe. But I just... I don't know if you're listening to your Habs fan break in, I guess. I don't know. It's just tough to see Vegas, you know, drop in this series. It's not like oh, yeah. the other series where, you know, I actually, as the even though I'm the anti-Islanders guy, I could see a path. Like, I'm just trying to find the path for Montreal that doesn't involve Carey Price stealing the game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, In terms of the series, I have, I think that's about it. I mean, I can get more into specific game notes. You guys got any? I've got some good game notes. Like here. from... From this game. From this game? From this well, game. Well, it's it seemed so far to be like a tale of two periods, kind of. Like, Montreal came out pretty hot, got the majority of the chances, and then Vegas absolutely smoked them in the second period, aside mm-hmm. from the one power play goal that they got. Yeah. So, additionally to that, I wanted to point out to uh, my – oh, my pregame notes were uh, Anderson did get a great chance, but hockey guys just love Josh Anderson. Okay, can <laughs> I talk about him for one second? Yeah. He scored a great goal the first game against the Leafs. It was – a Quick breakaway goal, snipe the puck. He does not have a point since then. <laughs> he doesn't have a point. They love talking about this guy. He's like under half point per game. He doesn't pass the puck. I mean, he's just got good physical attributes, and it's just <laughs> like, but it's like, what does he actually do out there for eleven out of twelve games? Josh Anderson, if you're listening, I want you to when you're on the bench, I want you to watch Alex Tuck play, and I want you to play like him. That's it. No, Alex Tuck goes east-west. Like, I don't think Josh Anderson can do that. Yeah, but I don't think he's able. I thought that was kind of funny. Um, in addition to that, Eric Gustafson, looking a little shaky, bad neutral zone turnover, almost turned it over on the power play before that, and then on the goal. I wanted to circle, circle, circle this goal. Montreal is trying to keep Phil Deneau on that Mark Stone line. What happened? Um in, on that goal, it was an icing. They had to keep out the ti- the tired young guys in Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield, Eric Gustafson on defense there. Probably not the best pairing. Not, not a matchup you want. There. Vegas hammered that. Oh, they yeah. won the faceoff. Who went to the front of the net? Mark Stone. Eric Gustafson was on him. Did not move him a touch. Mark Stone screens Carey Price. Carey Price does not see it a bit. Bang, in the back of the net. I just loved that coaching play by uh, Peter DeBoer there just capitalizing on a very opportune play there. Yeah, right? that's a great point. Pete, Pete DeBoer is a great coach. I don't think, you know, I don't think anybody has an, anything bad to say about him, even though the guy I he do. replaced was very popular too, is Gerard Gallant, who just got hired today too. Like that, I, I mean. I know someone that's got some negative things. What? He played for, it's a, a guy that I played pickup with. He played for Pete DeBoer in Kitchener, and he was like a seventh sort of D. No, okay. <laughs> I don't know how much. Oh, that's likes. fair. I mean, you could have a bad thing to say, but I mean, even Peter in San DeBoer Jose, told, Peter DeBoer told this guy when you see, I think it was when you see Patrick Kane on the ice, get off the ice. <laughs> I mean, that's that's good. Like, no, no offense to him, but if he's the seventh, yeah, I, I don't, I, I'd be afraid of Patrick Kane too. Like, but he was good in San Jose. Yeah. He's been yeah. good in yeah. in Vegas. Like, he was he, good in Jersey too. Him him being available was kind of part of the reason why Gallant was replaced. Like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I, I didn't agree with it at the time, but the fact they had like. Pete DeBoer waiting is so he's done a good job too. So that's yeah. a great point. Uh, taking advantage of matchups there. Oh yeah. And um, in addition to that, the one note I had about Vegas was uh, I thought it was quite interesting. The NHL, as I mentioned, copycat league 
Vegas got beat by a team last year that almost played with three defense. They played with a very low back kind of center, and the center was almost acting as a third defenseman. And as we mentioned before, Jack Ham went into great detail of this. It was a did a fantastic job in one of his uh, sub stacks there. But what did Vegas do this offseason? They went out and got Alex Petrangelo. How does Alex Petrangelo play? He's more of like a fourth forward out there. That's how he's been playing for them, for sure. Exactly. And he plays like it's off the rush. He's gone. He's up there, but he's able to come back very well, as, too, because he covers so much ground. And I just thought that was really interesting. You get beat by three defensemen. What do they do? Okay, we're going four forwards then. Yeah. So, absolutely. I mean, the train's going to keep running. They just, Alec Martinez is apparently dealing with uh, an injury. He has not skated other than game day. And uh, this is not. I don't know if this is break, but it was from PDO cast. They were talking about it. That's where I got it. But fantastic defenseman, blocks a ton of shots, but he is dealing with some sort of injury. So hopefully he can. Honestly, I thought he's played well. He's played very, very well. You can't really tell. No, not at all. Yeah. He blocks like nine shots a game. It's crazy. And he's injured. Are you kidding me? Him and Muzzin as a a pairing for LA. No wonder they won. Oh, yeah. The thing was, uh, Martinez, when he was leaving L.A., he was his, his underlying numbers and everything were really down. People were worried. But, I mean, it was more of a product of his environment, yeah, clearly. Yeah. Clearly. Based on how he's played. Yeah. Was he playing with Drew Doughty? No. <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. I don't think so. Low, low. <laughs> sorry, Shrew Rowdy. Do we have any predictions for this series then? Um, my prediction is I might try Truly Hard Seltzer. They've been pumping it. <laughs> yeah, they are. Yeah. Um, for this series, I mean, just I know once I open my mouth, something's going to happen pro Montreal. But forget it. I'm just going to say it. I, I think Vegas, Vegas uh, not pumps them. I think we're going to see some close games because I think Vegas is going to be responsible with everything. But like two goal games, I mean – I'm gonna t- I, I'm I'll dabble. I'm gonna I'm gonna bet on the puck line every game. Vegas. Wow. Vegas, baby. Okay. I did tonight. So Vegas, like not much stress. You're saying. Oh, Stevenson backdoor. Not too much stress. It'll be interesting to watch. But okay. It won't be blowouts, but I, I I'm going Vegas puck line. How many okay. games do you think? Like four. Yeah, I was gonna say if you're betting puck line, you gotta yeah, think four? It's four okay. or five. Fair. I'm gonna say Vegas Better. in six. I'm gonna give Price one game on his own. And then I think Montreal will like puck luck into another one. My thing was I think Vegas has learned from that how yeah. to how to get around that hot goalie. Kind I agree. Of I, I'm gonna just so we don't I don't say Vegas sweep <laughs> and then Montreal wins in seven and I gotta watch the half in the final. So let's say Vegas in six. I wanna ah. I know you wanna say Montreal. I wanna say Montreal in seven just to jinx them, but I don't know if that's like doing a double jinx yeah, and making you're, it gonna you're happen. Like your I don't even know. Um, no, obviously, I I, th- I was gonna say Vegas in six as well. I think Vegas is a better team, and I think they're like it just doesn't. I just don't. I don't know if Montreal can do it, but yeah. maybe they do. Maybe they will. Who knows? If that'll be like the most painful thing on earth if they win. By the way, I'm sorry oh to say, God. but I don't even want to think about it. Um, I mean, these Vegas fans, they they deserve it. They deserve it. They deserve a cost. It's been a grind. It's been a grind. Forget you guys. Um, all right, we have one. Any last thoughts on this series before we close it out? I think nope. we've uh, analyzed the hell out of this one. Yeah. Um, I guess my only last, yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting. My one thing, last thing, it'll be interesting when they go back to Montreal, how Mark Stone, I mean, Phil Deneau, it's going to be, the, I think a lot of pressure is going to be on that Phil Deneau, Deneau line. 
and they're going to have last change. They're going to be on that Mark Stone line, like fly on Kaka. And how well is Phil Deneau going to be able to shut down that line, right? It's going to be tough. Phil Deneau and the boys. And then, le- and then even line. the second line matchup, like those young kids, Suzuki, Caulfield, like they're good, but like mm-hmm. they have to run into that Carlson line. They're going to have a couple long shifts in their own zone. That's the one last thing. One, one small thing as well, like Philip Deneau usually matches up like when he matches up against the other center. So is he going to be matched up against Mark Stone? Yeah, Mark Stone. Mark Stone probably? Yeah, for sure. Well, because then, then Suzuki doesn't have to play against Mark Stone. Oh. That's the you don't want that. Yeah, yeah. But Patrick is also a good player, so I'm trying to say too. So it's like who's gonna? Yeah, they're on the same line though. I know. I know. That's like I thought. Maybe he would go for Patrick or oh, I don't Stone. know if that maybe. Oh, you're saying like, like I think we're just talking on the ice. line match. But Sorry. yeah, okay, I know what you mean. You yeah. know what I mean? Like because yeah, yeah. he's usually stick. He usually man, man, man marks up a player. with the center. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I get it. okay. Yep, makes sense. All right, so we're going to get into our other favorite team now, the Islanders, the uh, the New York Saints, as they're called. Um, I mean, we saw it last year. Hoping we can see Tampa Bay repeat here after game one. It's a little bit, uh, get a little bit scared there, but uh, Islanders, Tampa Bay, Islanders up 1-0, obviously. Taking one on the road, too. Not Impressive. Bad. I got good things to say about the Islanders today. I'm going to flip the switch. Yeah, I'm going to flip the script a bit. All right. Go ahead. They are great at playing with a lead. They really are. That is one thing that last episode or two episodes ago, I was trying to figure out something nice to say about the Islanders and figure out how they're able to win these games. Blah blah. blah. They're great at playing with the lead. And I think part of that is like we mentioned in the last episode, they do have total confidence in all four lines. So, when you're playing with a lead and you can roll four lines, you don't have any tired horses out there. You got fresh legs on the ice every shift. I know it's cliche, but Barry Trotz does a great job playing the matchup. All the players buy into the system and teams have a hard time coming back on them. Even a team like Tampa Bay. And the other thing is for some reason, they seem to be incapable of taking a penalty, which helps them as well. That's an easy way to give up a lead, right? Give up a you know power play goal. But game one, they did a good job. They kind of stifled Tampa's offense a bit. Like, it was a pretty even game at five on five, and Tampa didn't have any power plays. They had one at the end of the game, but I think they had two. They had they one. one they had two. one. They had a split, uh, split period uh, power play, and then they had one at the end of the game. My favorite play from that game was uh, you see Kalorn had the puck and he absolutely decked Barzell. Kalorn, he's you know he's I a like monster. Him. But yeah, the one thing I will I have noticed about the Islanders. So all the narrative around them has been around what Barry Trotz. You know, four right. lines. Casey Sezikas. Hockey guys love mentioning Casey right. Sezikas, Cal Clutterbuck, Matt Martin, the boys. No one mentions the goalie. He's been spectacular. Goalies. Because yeah, Sorokin, Cause Sorokin carried the carried the weight in the first series. Semyon Varlamov, nine thirty save percentage. Ilya Sorokin, nine thirty four save percentage. If you want to point to the reason the Highlanders are probably winning. Getting 932 save percentage over 13 games in the playoffs, you're probably going to win most of those games. They're making games. good saves, too. So you got to give some credit to their goalie. It's it's interesting, oh, yeah. though. Just because they're a gritty team, does that make people not want to look at their goalie for some reason? I don't get that. I mean, in terms of who to listen to in this series, like, look at the people that are actually able to break down what's happening in the series. Like, I'm so sick of all – like, people that are talking about Matt Martin and the gritty play, the hitting, blah, blah. Like, okay, but – where does it lead to? I don't know. I thought Ottawa was a gritty team, and they're, they've been golfing for two months now. Like, the reason that I'm finding 
Islanders, the Islanders sort of defensive scheme intrigues me from what I noticed. I, I, I need a better look at it, I think, because obviously I'm not willingly watching the Islanders. Now I'm forced to, but I find that they were very spread. It was almost like a man defense, and they were playing very far out. Like the, the, the middle of the ice was almost like clear, but they were like they didn't give any room to the Tampa Bay offense. And the one stat that really stood out, Ray Ferraro said it on, on TSN 1050 today, the rush chances were 9-0 for the Islanders. Tampa That's Bay crazy. has some guys that can score off the rush. We've seen it. Andre Palat, Nikita Kucherov especially, uh, Braden Point, Tony a fantastic player. Yeah, Tony from the bridge just scored a breakaway goal. But 9-0 just to get completely shut down like that? I mean Tampa, I mean, it's on John Cooper now. You gotta, you gotta regroup. I mean, t- uh, Steven Stamkos got benched as he well. He had a terrible turnover though, oh. and it was like a throw he it had up a bad the middle. one in the first period too. It was a throw it up the middle and get off the ice. Like, dude, what are you, what are you doing? That was weird. But we know, and we know Coop, the my Zio Coop. <laughs> <laughs> you know he he's not a, he's benched Kucherov before. He is not afraid to bench guys, and that's the one thing I. I I do think the Islanders actually might have a coaching mat, like coaching advantage here, even though both guys are spectacular. Like both have cups. The, the way that Trotz is able to deploy his players, he never has guys not in the most advantageous spot. He completely maximizes the roster. He knows his top pair of Pelic and Pulak. Those are the guys he wants on the ice in any shaky situation. And he does it. Those guys are not playing a lot of offensive minutes. If you've noticed they're, their D zone starts, it's low. We're talking like 30%, which if you follow these numbers, that's extremely low. And he has no problem bearing those guys in the defensive zone. And, you know, he has no, also no problem, you know, Noah Dobson, young D, we talked about him a bit, good on the power play. He doesn't, hey, if, if, it's a, if it's a close game defensive zone situation, he's simply not on the ice. It's not, we're not rolling three defense players here. He's very meticulous with who's on the ice at what times. And it pays off. It really does. I mean, Adam Pellick, he's playing some, as you said, tough miss. Nikita Kucherov, five on five last game. He played against Nikita Kucherov. Uh, his top pairings against were Sergachev at 910, Kucherov at 806, Braden Point at 713, McDonough, Palat, and then Savard. Like, those are some big minutes. Who was the other guy you mentioned there? Uh, Pellick and Pulak. They're, they're, it's a defense it's, pair, though, right? It's pretty interesting that, like, Pulak is also. He's an offensive guy. He can, I know. But he, his offensive number is taking a hit, and he's, uh, I mean, he's been a very good defensive player as well. Four-one, Nick Holden, pretty interesting. He's got, I think that's his like seventh or eighth point this playoffs. Like, talk about guy, unexpected guy stepping up. Not Nick bad, Holden. huh? Nick Holden, he's on a cheap deal too. But in terms of Pulak's matchups, I mean, again, Kucherov, Palat, Braden Point. And it's hard. It's a hard matchup. It's no. And it's also you're on the road too. They really made sure. He's done a great job. You got to give tr- credit to Barry Trotz, right? And I mean, yeah, unfortunately you do. Um, but yeah, but Tampa Bay's offense. They gotta. They gotta get going. I think again, if the Islanders can continue to somehow not take any penalties, which I have no idea how they've been able to do that. Good for them. Tampa's gonna be in trouble. Tampa is an insanely good power play. Their power play scored a bunch of goals in the first round. They've scored a bunch of goals in the second round. Scored one this game. If if there's a like 
we're talking one or two power plays a game for Tampa. That we could talk, we could be looking at a long series here for real. Like, oh, so yeah. it's surprising they won the special teams game and they lost. I know, they lost two one. I know. So, but yeah, Tampa. But my notes here, I got the Isle, The Islanders need to figure out their power play though. If I'm gonna critique them on one thing, it was I saw the first two or three. I think it was which I think they only got three this game. But either or, I mean, it looked like it was a lot of Barzell try to carry it in himself and start it off from there. I mean, Tampa Bay's defense was expecting that. Their their penalty kill was very good. I think they got a couple scoring chances on the penalty kill, did I they not? I believe so. I believe yeah. so. I can't remember exactly from who, but I believe you're correct on that one. They stifled the... I use that. I love that word. Stifled. stifled. <laughs> but uh, they got them a couple of times at the blue line there. Didn't allow them to break in. And then, I mean, I, I expect, I mean, as you mentioned, Barry Trotz, very, very good coach. Expect a little more chip and chase from Barzell on the break-in for the power play there for the Isles next game. If you were to expect a couple things different for next game, what are you, what are you going at? Jason? I think the Islanders are going to try to play the, probably a very similar way. Mm-hmm. Again, if they can get out to a lead early again, it's going to be – the problem is they have no issues playing boring hockey. It sucks for us. But it's great for them. They're really good at, you know, playing with a lead, getting – it's every cliche in the book, getting pucks deep. But they do. They get pucks deep. They're hard on the forecheck, fresh legs, all that stuff. T- Tampa's got to get on the board early. That's it for them, right? Yes. Yeah, the, I don't know if that means playing your big guys a little more. I know everyone loves to talk about depth in the playoffs. But maybe the Lightning need to lean on those those big guys a little bit more in this situation. You know, if you look at their – distribution of minutes again Stamkos got benched but the three highest five on five forwards were Yanni Gord Barkley Goudreau and Blake Coleman for them and we know that's a been a great line in the playoffs but if we're going to score goals we need it to be Kucherov point Stamkos so Edmund had the third highest ice time amongst D as well I thought that was a little interesting there and he didn't get the tough matchups it was Ryan McDonough might have been a punishment game from from Coop there Maybe. Not happy with how the guys Maybe. are playing. But, yeah, so that's – I think – I don't think there's, like, any reason to panic if you're Tampa Bay. Like, you're the no. best team. You're a – as Dougie Hamilton said, you're a $98 million, $18 million over the cap team. Like, you're – you got a better roster. You know what they want to do. They want to play a boring brand of hockey. Try to open it up a bit, you know. Use your speed a little bit more as well. They're definitely a faster team. Mm-hmm. So. I agree on that. Um, I had a point. And now I can't remember. And it's gone. And it's gone. <laughs> but the interesting thing is, even Vasilevsky, that goal, I can't remember. It was Pulak or Pelix that scored from the point. It was kind of, it was so, it was a softy. Like, there's no screen in front of the net from the point right through his arm. That's one, you know, normally he'd save. So maybe we need a little more from him mm-hmm. if we're Tampa Bay too, right? I mean, if you're looking at last year how the Lightning beat the Islanders, I mean, my one thing that I really, really liked from Andre Vasilevsky in that series was that he would get, uh, there would be extended periods of time where he wouldn't get a shot. Like it, the shots were heavily favored for Tampa Bay in that series. Oh yeah. Semyon Valerlama played very, very well, but it was a very close six game series, except for game one. Andre Vasilevsky though, there was a couple times, it was like 20 minutes, no shot almost, including the overtimes and whatever. And then the Islanders broke it open like they always do, and they get a chance, and he came up big. I mean, specifically, 
In game six, double overtime, Brock Nelson got a breakaway after him not after Vasilevsky not getting a shot for like seven minutes. And he made a great save on that breakaway. And then Tampa Bay went down the other way and scored. Mm-hmm. Vasilevsky, there's no room for error against the Islanders here. I mean, he's got to be... I mean, there's two goals only, but you really got to tighten it up. As you mentioned, that Pulak goal, I think it was, was a little yeah, bit ugly. it was a softy. Yeah. It was a softy. And I mean, look who look who scored for the Islanders. Matthew Barzell, their big guy. It was a nice goal. Imagine that, though. Your big guy showing See, up. He's been a little quiet all, all uh, playoffs so no, far. He though. stepped it up recently. Recently? No, against the Bruins, he was awesome. Uh, yeah, recently. First round. Yeah. He was, first round, first he, round he had like four, four, like he had zero goals. I know that. It took him a while to get a goal. But, but now he's gone. Yes, exactly. Last year's against the Bruins. I thought he was fantastic. Um, Give him enough game, games yeah. to look at going. He only it was pretty interesting. I mean, he only got eleven twenty two at five on five. Who's that? Barzell. Yeah, I know because hey, when they have a lead, Trotz has no issue using their whole bench, and it I seems show to help. Travis Zajac, who was the afterthought in that Palmieri trade, Palmieri got a couple great chances in the first period there. I mean, he's he's a. They definitely have a formula on how yeah. to sit on a lead. They yeah. definitely do. That. I got to give them a credit formula there. On a acquiring players at the deadline they overpaid in my opinion the last two deadlines in getting uh jg pajot and i guess zajac and palmieri right, yeah. cup first round picks and more but officially won the trade been. deadline this year officially <laughs> new york yeah by beating so. boston oh yeah it's right. <laughs> funny uh but it's kind of interesting. Those those have been their yeah. big guys too. Yeah. Those have been huge for them. Kyle Palmieri's come up huge for them. Yeah, exactly. Seven goals. We were talking about the shooting percentage last time. Yeah, yeah he's been shooting twenty six percent. He grew his beard back. That's yeah. why. <laughs> um, I think I, I just want to make a little note about Tampa Bay. I just for them to, for them to come back and they win next game, they need to just kind of like what you were saying, stick to their game and not play the way that the Islanders want them to play. Mm-hmm. We've seen like in. I know this is like a couple of years ago, but we've seen the Tampa Bay from the past. Like sometimes they would stoop down to the other team's level, try and like throw an extra hit, play a little extra dirty, and it would cost them. Remember Kucherov, Kucherov getting suspended. suspended? Like yeah. those guys can, it's it's almost like get under their own skin, and and that's one thing that Tampa cannot like has to like stay away from doing that if they want to win. If they if they get into that stuff, I think they're gonna, it's gonna be tough for them, and they might might be the crux of them, maybe the reason why they could potentially lose the series. They just need to stay away from and those And the Islanders things. can do that to you. They can, mm-hmm. they they can, can get lull you to sleep, oh, yeah. and then you're not, you know, a couple hits here and there. Yeah, so. Back your net. Just ask Boston. Just ask the Penguins, right? Absolutely. But, yeah, Semyon Varlamov's got to stay hot. It, it'll be a nice – it's another nice goaltending matchup. Yep. Four – two good goaltending matchups in these playoffs. I love it. Love to see it. And you know why? Because it – shoves it up the hoop of people that are saying you just need to go out there and get a league average goaltender for uh, it's a market inefficiency and you don't need to pay oh, that this much. year there's oh, four look goalies. at the salaries of yeah, the goalies yeah. that are in the finals <laughs> here bud even the last year last year as well other than dobby like anyways that's for another day uh i think we beat the hell out of this uh Any predictions for this series uh for the lightning series i'm, I'm going lightning and sa- i think it'll be close little seven game series here it's not going to be easy, especially the Coliseum. I, that's where they're playing out of. I don't even know. Yep, yep, yep. They play everywhere, it seems like. Garbage. But it's going to be rocking. That's another really good playoff atmosphere there, too. And they go to the tailgate, get a little loose, and then just screaming obscenities. 
in that building. So, but I'm going. I'm sticking with Tampa Bay. I'm gonna go Tampa Bay in six. We'll give it six, just like last year. I think it's gonna be a long series, Tampa Bay in seven. I think I would have said that probably before game one too. I, it's just the Islanders seem to have something going now. So yeah. to write them off with like a quick series would be. I don't know. It doesn't seem to be what's been happening so far, but I think Tampa Bay will win. Exactly. Be like uh be like living in Vancouver and predicting no rain the next day. Yeah. Mike. The other thing is <laughs> don't doesn't everyone want to see Tampa versus Vegas? That'd yes. be a, like that'd be that'd great. Be electric. So. I don't want to like if it's Montreal Islanders. No, no, no. no, no, no. I don't I I'm oh. just not going to watch. I'll I'll, yeah, I'll wait I'll, for next year. I'll put duct tape over my eyes for, <laughs> that, for that week or whatever it lasts. All right. Let's get into a little Dougie Hamilton. And why are we getting into Dougie Hamilton? Well, because Dougie, uh, the news came out that he's going to be testing the UFA market. He's going to the market. Mm, Carolina's is that, not. Is that what the news was? What was it? The news was, not to interrupt you, Joe, but the news was, which is very interesting, that Carolina is letting him explore sign and trade options with other teams. Doesn't mean he's necessarily leaving Carolina. And I think it's interesting because I think this is smart on both camps, the Dougie Hamilton camp and Carolina, because Dougie Hamilton can what we've seen before is that eighth year makes such a big difference for these UFAs, right? These guys want to want that eighth year from the team. So the only way to do that, unless it's from Carolina, is for, is for a sign and trade to go down, right? But you normally what we see is it goes down to the final hour, and then you know they like like with Tavares, he didn't couldn't come to an agreement with the Islanders. And then once the deadline's passed to give an eight-year deal, and now the Islanders are at a seven-year deal, you know there's no chance it's going back, right? But now Carolina can explore the market for Dougie Hamilton, right? He, they can compare it to other eight-year deals that he's being offered. And Dougie Hamilton can also set his market before that deadline in which, you know, he could get an eight-year deal from anyone. So it kind of works out bo- best for both sides. They can get a real understanding of the market without passing that midnight deadline before July 1st, usually, where now the team that he was on before that can offer the eight-year deal can't offer it anymore, and they're out of the running. Everything's right? coming up, Dougie. It's interesting, though. It's it, I haven't seen it been done before this early, especially. A sign-and-trade, wow. I mean, the playoffs, yeah. I know it's an it's a unconventional year, but... It's just a very interesting. I thought it was a very interesting ploy by the team and by the agent. It's also interesting that uh, they're giving Brady Shea how much money, and he's oh, that's tough. He's not that good of a defenseman. No, where did where else? Did, what, what sort of similarity, parallel situation do you see from this? Justin Falk and Alex Petrangelo. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, baby. I kind of read that your money mind to there. Justin Falk. Not that he's a bad defenseman, but he could have used that money towards. Uh, Petrangelo, the captain, go up, which kind of hurt them as well. Yeah, and no, that so, was a rough contract. Yeah, you know he played played better this year, too, but still. Yeah, he got more opportunity, more power play. Yeah, I I, I really think Carolina is going to try to keep him. I think that's why they've kind of said, okay, Dougie, go see what's out there on an eight year deal and come back to us. You know, and at worst comes to worst, you leave. At least we'll get something back for you. What What's the number that Dougie gets? What number is floating around here? I think a lot of people are thinking eight. Is that eight, fair eight, to eight say? kind of thing? Eight eight, like. Well, let's, let's compare him to Tory Krug. You think he's better than Tory Krug? I think he's better yeah, than Tory Krug. Far yeah, far above better than Tory okay. Krug. Tory so, Krug is a power play specialist. So, what did Tory Krug get last year again? The seven, I think. Six I think six and a half over seven years. So some, uh, he's. I know some people think he's going to come to the Leafs. Yeah, on pandemic it. too. Yeah, true. People on Twitter I see think he's going to come to the Leafs on like a six, seven. I don't mm. think that's realistic. 
I really we'll don't. Well, I think I think you're right. We would really appreciate it, and I would go to the museum with him if he does come. I think the AAV is starting with an eight. I really do. Oh yeah. So my at other, least what I also wanted to get into for those that don't watch a lot of Carolina, what do you really like about Dougie Hamilton's game? Why is he worth that eight to you? He does not have many weaknesses to his game, right? He's an offensive defenseman in nature, but doesn't mean he's weak defensively. He's a longer player. He's six foot six. I don't think people realize how big this guy is, right? He plays with a long stick. He does. He breaks up a lot of plays. He's a great skater for his size. Great skater. And he he has a great shot, too. Like, you always think about the Leafs, but, like, great. He's able to score goals. He's got multiple double-digit goal years, right? How many goals did he get this year? Uh, I don't have that info and privy to me, but we'll look it up as we And he's go. also an analytics darling. Okay, mm-hmm. Sorry, multiple double-digit goal years. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven in a row with double-digit goals, including 18 goals, 17 goals. Like he can put the puck in the back of the net. That's another, I think... A val- when it's not luck from a defenseman, a Morgan Riley random 20 goal year, I think that's a legitimate like value add for a defenseman, right? So I, I really like him as a player. His weakness is he had some, I don't want to call it off the ice issues because it's not that. He's a it's weird just, guy. I don't he know. has not always fit in every environment, which mm-hmm. has been a struggle for him. It didn't really work out for him in Boston. Calgary, it seems to be working out, and then they kind of got sick of him in there too. So we'll see. I think Carolina does like him, but again, he's a young UFA too. He's 27 years old, turning 28. Like that's pretty much. It's not. This is not a 30, 31 year old. You're gonna get still prime years out of him. So I, I, I really think he's gonna command a, a, a massive contract. Other than Ovechkin, which I don't include, I think he's gonna have the highest deal this summer. Yeah. He should. He's probably one of the more valuable UFAs out there. And the other issue is he takes a lot of penalties. Yeah, right? it's weird. And it's also weird he takes them in like bad spots yeah. too. I saw like a little graphic on Twitter where it's like I think in the like last in the third it's like third period penalty minutes with like a one goal lead. He's like somehow first. It's kind of like a nitpicky stat, but it's also kind of important because he's the guy who's probably going to be on the ice if uh, for most teams uh, in those dying minutes because he is he is sound in his own zone. So it's little small thing but mm-hmm. the, if you if the only knock on the guy is ah, sometimes he takes a little bit too many penalties i think you got a pretty good player on your hands yeah so yeah. any possible landing spots other than carolina you can see i also wanted to point out with him he generates so much offense like they have the puck so much yeah. when he's out there it's like that eric carlson good at defense kind of concept you're you're your best Defense is a good offense. I mean, Absolutely. when they don't have the puck, they're not going to score, right? <laughs> that was my other little point I wanted to throw in there. With no, you're Debbie right. Hamilton. I, I think, and again, he's an analytics guy too, so the, the stat heads love him too. I think, I really think he's going to be a, a highly coveted player. But I think it makes sense for him to go back to Carolina first and foremost. I think they have mm-hmm. the cap room for it. You know, they, like they're spending a lot on their D already, but it's a lot of like the four mil, five mil gardeners in there, Shea, Slavin's in there, Pesci. But, you know, you wonder, I wonder if they try to, you know, maybe move a guy like Jake Gardner, if possible, if anyone will take him, try to get him exposed in the expansion draft, for example. That's another thing that will play a big part here is the expansion draft. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's interesting that, that he's basically testing his market already and and another small thing i don't think that he will sign with seattle but seattle is allowed to give him eight years there will be a uh period before the expansion draft and then we can talk about this on a later podcast the whole details of the expansion draft but there's a small period where uh vegas or sorry seattle could talk to ufas and rfas and they are able to offer them eight-year deals as if they are the team owning their rights which is something that 
could be a little interesting because maybe they set the market at eight and Seattle with all their cap space comes in and says 10. I don't know. Just throwing out random numbers, but something to also consider. Not saying that he would sign there, but something to consider. My question I wanted to pose was, do you see him signing with a team outside of the, that finished outside of the playoffs this year? Help them build up a little bit? Ride that rebuild process? That's a good question. Is Vancouver possible? No, they probably don't not. They don't have enough cap. That's that's one team I could see like they really need help on the back end. Like I, maybe Chicago, but I, I don't even know if they 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 also might not have the cap space either. I don't really know. And then the other team I was thinking of was maybe Dallas, but their that back end is solid. But it's just like one of those teams that misses the playoffs that could probably make it next year and probably will make it next year. So uh, I don't know. Do you it's, think he's a take the highest offer available guy like uh it's a tough one he's tough he's such a tough guy to read he really is (laughs) and i think that's gonna play a part into like this whole ufa situation i think the one thing you gotta watch out for is if he says i'm going to take my agent something about his agent's advice that's when you know okay it's cake day for for (laughs) or like the little comments like that um, I'll say this: a team to watch out for, sneaky, because they do have cap space. Is Boston? Yeah, yeah. Having a reunion a there, but didn't Don reunion? Sweeney trade him? Why not? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, Sweeney traded him only for a first too. It's yeah. the fifteenth overall pick. Why not? And they drafted Zaboro with that ahead of. I just think it'd be interesting. They they were weak on D this year. They really they were. were. They are weak on D. They are still weak on D. Yeah, that is an interesting. Like, there's so many possibilities. Like. Is L.A. throw, yeah, throw a bag? I really them. still think Carolina is going to give them a solid. Yeah. Like How much cap space does eight. New York have after this year? I don't know. Like they're up there, kind of ish. Yeah. But I, I, yeah, I can see him going back to Carolina heavily. It'll be interesting. I mean, maybe I don't know. Seth Jones gets out of Columbus. They're up place yeah. in there. It's a lot and lot, a lot of speculation because no, it's so it's such new news right now that we don't. We're just kind of speculating off the top of the head kind of thing. More news will come out. And we'll yeah. be able to to figure it out from there. But as of right now, we got, uh, we're just looking at the old cap friendly and trying to figure it out. So any chance he comes to Toronto? I mean, when you look at it, Petrangelo went to Vegas. They were yeah. the most cap-strapped That's a good team point. That just, is a great and point. And they just kept spending. And then I don't know what happened from there. But who knows? I mean... I would love that. I'm sure uh, he would love that too. From Toronto. That would Ooh. be sweet. Our our decor would almost be or our right side would be locked up for the next three years. For sure. like we would know who our who our guys years, are and yeah. Brody, Hall, Dougie Hamilton, and what a one, two, three punch that is. Holy smokes. I'm just yeah, I'm yeah, getting we'll giddy at the thought of it. I, 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 can't yeah, even. I just can't <laughs> picture them giving a free agent an unrestricted free agent eight years in like in their current situation. I just can't picture it. Yeah. Please. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? That'll Maybe be a it's a tough one. Yeah. But, anywho, um, I think I lost the over under on flirty saves, so that kind of sucks. But mm, I think we've got everything down here. I mean, Dougie Hamilton's going to be an interesting one to watch out for pre like coming up. I mean, he's a fantastic defenseman. I got I can't. I mean, all the people say, "Oh, he's a weird guy." Fourth team in four eight years or whatever, like. He is a good player. He's a difference maker. And this is going to be a big thing to watch out for. Where, If he goes, and where does he go? 
So that leads us into rat race. Um, so my rat race that I've got here, my number one question from it. You ready? Mm, let's hear it. Dougie Hamilton's AAV is more than 8.5. Yes. No. I would have said astounding yes. Think Petrangelo's contract at least. The wow. only reason why I want to double down on that yes is because there's no re- really any good defenseman on free agency that I can see. Like, uh, yeah. Black the, cap. The best guy out there looks like maybe David Savard as a, a UFA. Tyson Berry maybe. I, I don't know who it was. Yeah. Someone said that Tyson, they would take Tyson Berry at five, five by five million over – <laughs> over Dougie Hamilton at eight, which is you don't want some of the most. Oh, <laughs> ins- Jim Mathis, I mean, yeah, that guy's <laughs> it was insane. Anyways, it was absolutely um, insane. Flurry had twenty four saves going up until like a minute. Uh, the under was twenty four and a half. He's at twenty seven. Uh, that was a painful, painful last little minute there. Anywho, my other thing: drastic changes coming to Colorado. Yes, as a result of their. Free agent situation could be Kadri. Interesting. Uh, yes and no. I think they'll be able to keep Grubauer. I think they'll be able to keep Landis Cog, who I think are their biggest pieces. Maybe some body six rejuggling. Maybe they move on from Kadri, but I'm going to go with more of a no, just thinking that they're going to keep Landis Cog and Grubauer. I don't think, like, fishes. I also drastic. I just think yeah. one, I think you're going to lose at least someone from their top For six. Sure. Almost Sots guaranteed. Gone, like, Came up in my head today. I don't know why I didn't bring up at why all. Why aren't you answering these? Oh, I, I said yes to the first one and the second one. I'd say I'd say no. I think they're going to keep the band together. All right. I'd, I, yeah, yeah. I think they're keeping the band back. To, they're bringing the band back together, especially after this year. My other thing I was going to – oh, it's back. Uh, thank God. <laughs> Almost lost that one. We see the Leafs play with five five forwards on a power play next year. Yeah, hopefully oh, Florida yeah. Panthers style I'm going to say no but I hope no because we land Dougie Hamilton here <laughs> oh! put that I'm going to manifest that one no <laughs> Dougie Hamilton number one PP let's go let's go that'd be nice Um, do I have any other hmm, I got nothing else I'd be stretching it so yeah it's a great episode I think we went really into depth in some of those series. I think so. uh, Hopefully people enjoy it. Surprised me a little bit on there. But um, we'll be back same time next week, I'm guessing. Oh, yeah. yeah. We'll try and do next week. And maybe we can do like a live rat yeah. race or live questions sometime next week. If you guys want to send in Especially, your feedback yeah. and tweet tweet at Rank Rat Report and let or us know. Instagram, if, whatever. Yeah. Or Instagram. Let, whatever, us, know, let yeah, us know if that's something you guys, guys be interested in. Yeah. Like what? Tell maybe, your friends about the show. Something about an intermission show, maybe. Mm. Whatever you guys we want us live, to do. Some, I don't know. You guys tell us. Yell at us on Twitter. Tell us what to do. Figure it out. But tell your friends about the show. The more people that follow, the cooler stuff we're going to be able to do, the more we're going to be able to do. But that's all for today. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Go Leafs, go.